to Live Unique. My name is Lorenzo Agnes. My goal is to help you unlock your truth. We seek to answer life's two most important questions. Who must I be and what must I do? I interview leaders from all walks of life and we have great conversations where I'm trying to understand and to discover how it is that they express their own particular uniqueness. If you would like to know more, please head over to the website liveunique.biz. That's L-I-V-E dot B-I-Z. It's my absolute pleasure to have as our very first guest on our podcast, Pastor Al Tompkins, his uh, close and old friend and somebody who I have respected from the very first time that we met. Welcome, Earl. Lorenzo, you're so kind. Thank you so much. It's a real privilege for me to be here and to share this uh, podcast uh, and to be the first to be here. No, that's that's fantastic. Thank you. Not have thought of, of anybody uh, well, better you. deserving. Thank you so much. So, Al, you are an intriguing figure. Um, you're a little bit older than me. You have 11 grandkids, several children. Your wife still loves you, so you tell me. Um, and uh, no, as I, I've I believe no- that's true. <laughs> <laughs> as I've known you, uh, you have always been a man of great character and very true to mm. the words that you speak. You Thank live you. out what you speak. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about how you grew up, where you grew up, and what was your life like as a child? Well, I, um, there's a lot there, uh, but it, much of it has to do with my parents and uh, their, their lives. Uh, I had two parents, which is unusual for, to say that for today mm-hmm. uh, in our family dynamic. But I had two p- parents, and uh, I knew they loved me. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were challenges and all of that stuff. I, I'm the oldest of uh, I have a brother and sister. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> they just uh, taught me how to care for people. Um, often we would have uh, people at our house that we didn't know that my father um, was would be walking. He didn't have a car for a while, so he'd walk to work. And it was a, probably about a couple of miles or so. And he used to work on the uh, sanitation truck um, here in in Schenectady. And uh, he worked very hard. But often he'd come across people on his way home. Wow. And and he would invite them for dinner. Come on. Please don't tell me. He's one of those dudes who just brought random strangers. He'd he'd invite them for dinner. (laughs) I remember a few times where where it happened that he was, he said, uh, I remember him coming in and talking to my mother and saying, well, hon, um, we always, we, we always prepare a lot for dinner. She, he says, uh, 
well, you know, I just met this guy along the way. <laughs> and we just started talking and he's just, he's really struggling. Now, and was so, your mom upset about that? Or not at she... all. That was kind of her frame as well. She's very different. But, but that was her style. Yeah. Uh, they used to So serve. you, as a child, you had these random people yes. at the dinner table. Yes. yes. And learned what from them? You know, I, I learned that um, life was not always fair. Hmm. And I learned um, that uh, love had to be uh, given wow. and, and received. Hmm. Um, I, I learned from, from, these, um, from those, those times. So I remember one time having um, this fellow at the table and he was kind of scraggly looking and uh, my mother had him wash his hands before sitting down and that was that was to be very clean and sit at the table that kind of thing and it was just uh he was it was just very quiet and kind of weird and i i was i was staring at the guy and, and my mother my mother looked at me as you know it was one of those looks stop yes. staring what's wrong with what you what are you doing kid? Yeah. so i went back to eating and um, this, I, I, I picked up from that um, just the, the love that my parents had wow. for people. So, okay, where did, where did that come from? Where, where, where did that love dynamic come from in your parents? You know, they came from, um, they had a hard beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandparents... Uh, Oh, it's lots there. My grandparents, my on my father's side, my father's parents, um, came through some hard things. Um, were around sharecroppers at that time. Wow. Um, who there was? They weren't too far. My 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 father's parents weren't too far from that whole thing of slavery. But then there was the Jim Crow right. laws going on, and right. and all of that, and so. Um, we had, uh, I consider myself blessed where my parents were not, they were not bitter with it. Hmm. Um, but they, they were very, they were cautious, but they were not bitter. Mm -hmm. And yet they continued to love people. And you know, uh, you know, God was there Mm -hmm. with my parents Mm -hmm. way back when in my parents' parents. Right. they, they, they talked about going to Sunday school and and learning things about who God is, even though there, you know, Jim Crow was a tough thing. Yeah. Colored people drank water here or went to this fountain mm-hmm. or this restaurant. White people went to this other place. Mm-hmm. You know, in the midst of those struggles, God was who right. he was. Mm, that's beautiful. You know, and they could connect with him. Mm-hmm. And they knew that no matter what, mm-hmm. God loved them, and that they weren't—they were not to pass mm-hmm. on this anger mm-hmm. and and uh, inequality and all that stuff. And so, um, so it was that they passed down to their children. We didn't have much. Um, I didn't know I was poor until high school. I mean, I never went without food or or without clothing. I never knew what what the the dynamics of the bills and things like that i never knew about that my parents took care of those things mm-hmm. and they just loved us now were you a nerd or a jock 
at school. Oh, I was I was the jock at school. You were. Yeah, I. I mean, I, I'm not I trying mean, to be funny. You no. are, you are a good looking guy. <laughs> well, I, I've always you. said to you, and uh, others, many others have agreed with me, especially your wife. I mean, you could be Denzel Washington's brother, you know, and you've always been. Well, thank you. Nothing. I mean, how many times have I said that? Uh, you know, I, I wish we were literally physical brothers. <laughs> yes, um, just yes. because you are just such a special, wonderful oh, guy. But you. typically, Josh, Josh can be a pain in the neck. So oh, yeah, yeah. Were yeah. you that <laughs> typical Jock, or were you? I imagine you as a friendlier, warmer, funnier Jock. Uh, I was a hostile Jock. Oh. Uh, I, I, um, <laughs> you know, during my teen years. Um, I got really, there were things that went on in my life and, um, and I got very, very angry mm-hmm. and uh, was really, was mean. Um, on the outside, I was very, uh, I was, I was very polite mm-hmm. and uh, would help people. But on the inside, there was a wow. boiling fire. Wow. And, um, and I dare say that, uh, you know, we were just talking about it. I was talking with some friends just the other day, and we were talking about how God intervenes in our lives, mm, and beautiful. He contradicts the things that we've been taught mm-hmm. and the things that we think about. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, the things that I would think about weren't very good. Mm-hmm. And and then when it came down to race, even though we were not a racist household. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet those things, we knew what it was to grow up in a dominant, right. uh, the, the dominant culture, right. which was Caucasian. Right. And so uh, I knew how to exist out there in the, in the Caucasian community mm-hmm. and then come home and really be myself. Mm-hmm. Um, be okay with being myself. So already, but that created some tension. So in high school, you were already conscious of oh, yeah. having to live, not a double life, but uh, yeah, aware that... In middle school. So wow. Junior high, seventh grade. Sixth, wow. seventh grade. For those of our listeners who are international, what age would that be? In I was about uh, 11, 12 years old. And were your friends around you, did they have the same awareness or was it more... Something that you held to yourself. It was. Um, it wasn't until I turned thirteen, and I was around uh, uh, other African Americans that we were all very conscious of who who we were, mm-hmm. and and um, and so that that uh, there were drawbacks in how we lived a certain mm-hmm. way because we had to we had to be a certain way because mm-hmm. we knew we lived in a in, in a white culture right and um, we knew that even the people that were around us some of the adults didn't understand us right which was very sad which I think our young people today they get it right they they well, get do it you mean what, sorry let's talk a little bit about that so I do you mean that maybe your parents your grandparents your uncles and aunts didn't understand what you were feeling and thinking or Oh, they, this is a very charged topic, a very complicated, very emotional, because uh, my parents, well, with my, with my father's father, um, yeah, his, his daughter. So my father's sister was murdered. Wow. Uh, She was poisoned by these white guys. 
and they were in the South. Oh, my word. Went, they invited her to dinner, her and her friends, uh, but they poisoned her dish. Oh. And so, um, uh, and, and when it all came out, it was because she was black. Mm-hmm. And, um, wow. you know, and, and so you have these, you have... You have some of that kind of wound sure. to come forward, yeah. where uh, so that was passed on to. Then it was my my father and his his other sister was left, mm-hmm. and uh, but yet uh, I didn't hear that story until much later. But you could see by how their actions, right. how they treat. I couldn't go over anybody's right. house to eat, right? Um, wow, for a very long time mm-hmm. because that that fear was there, right? So. Um, so there's a lot to this. Uh, they were very aware of how to, uh, it was more of, it wasn't a fear, but it was just being aware of right. how you may be tr- mistreated. More in, caution. Caution. A, yeah. a, a cautious, a cautious way of life, mm-hmm. um, which gives pressure to kids. Sure. They don't know what to do with that. And you know, as children, you sense these things. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, yes. They're there subconsciously. And, yes. And it's true. It's only much later on in life when you begin to have certain feelings or certain ways of thinking. Yes. And then you trace it back to... Yes. Oh, that, that's, that's where that came from. Yes. Now, you're a, you're a courageous leader and a fearless man of God and, and I've, I've often said to you one of the things I most love and respect about you is how you have literally given your life for the sake of what I would call the glory of God on the one hand mm. and the good of others on the other hand. I've always known you to be this mm. male version of Mother Teresa, good looking male version. <laughs> uh, but seriously, um, obviously this comes out of a very deep faith. Mm. When were you first aware of God, of the Bible, of Jesus Christ, more than in a typical religious sense. You know, I think in our generation, like you went to church. Yeah. You didn't necessarily believe anything. And yeah. in fact, the minute you could get out of there, you were out of there. Yes. But you seem to have a very close walk mm. with Jesus. Mm. When did that come about? In the midst of all of this, I would call it trauma, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this difficulty mm-hmm. in a very different time in history. Mm-hmm. How and when did you meet Christ? I went to a, um, I went to a camp, a Christian camp, and I was 12 years old. And the church that we were we were going to, uh, often my parents would send us, there was a bus ministry that was happening and the bus would, this church, First Presbyterian Church, and they would send a bus around and pick up children and bring them back to the church. And, um, and we'd go to Sunday school and then uh, some would stay for church, but most of us went home. And so they'd get us back on the bus and, and bring us back home. Mm-hmm. Now, they did this every Sunday. for, And I went for years. Um, but it was through that that this church, they, had, um, they were affiliated with this Christian camp. And so uh, one year, I went, I was 12 years old. I had the opportunity to go to the camp, went to the camp. Uh, had a great time. It was an overnight camp. Um, there, uh, the guys with guys, girls with girls. I had a counselor. Um, and his name was Ken. I can't remember his last name, but he was going to Wheaton College at the time, 
And um, I was really, I was an athlete then. I was in sixth grade. Um, and, and I was really impressed with, he was he was built well. He was in great shape. He could run fast. <laughs> all those things, you know. And because you were a jock, that yeah. really appealed to you. Yeah, so, yeah, that appealed good. to me. So, uh, and I could also, and I was a tough kid. Yeah. And so... Uh, hmm. Uh, I, I also found that I couldn't beat him. <laughs> he was he was a tough guy, <laughs> you know. And so, but anyway, we we used to go to the, we would go to the campfires at the end of the day. I went for a week, went for the, to the camp for a week. Um, so we'd register on a Sunday uh, afternoon, and we'd bring all of our our sleeping bags, and it was overnight camp. We'd be there until the following Saturday, so six days. So I went there. And uh, the first couple of nights, it was just kind of weird. We we're sleeping outside, and it was just weird. And um, but they would tell these stories, and these stories, I connected with those stories mm. because I heard them in Sunday school. Right. And so I said, "Whoa, I understand what that story mm-hmm. is. I've heard that. That's a Bible story. Mm-hmm. Uh, that talks. That's about God that's or something good. like that." Mm. And so uh, it was at that time that it, 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 the Lord started to really grab my attention. So, so much so that it was by the end of that week, we were at a campfire and um, my counselor got up and shared a devotion, uh, talked about uh, Jesus and who he is. I can't remember all the pieces. It was a long time ago. But I remember... Uh, him saying, if you want to follow this Jesus of the Bible that I'm talking about, and he could change your life, if you want to follow him, he says, you talk with me after. He says, not gonna, it's not going to be a, a big deal. You don't have to stand up, come forward. But he says, you come and you talk to me afterward. So later It's that good way. because then that would have caused only people who were serious yes. about the commitment to do yes. that, to follow. It was their decision. Yes. Yeah, that's good. And so I spoke with him, and uh, I asked Christ into my life. Wonderful. I, I recognized that I was a sinner. I recognized that I practiced things that were wrong, and I knew I thought about stuff that was wrong. <laughs> and he says, God sees everything, and I you know, I really got embarrassed because uh, he, knows, he knows me, that kind of thing. But um, it wasn't until... You know, uh, that's why I'm big on discipleship. It's so yeah, important. People good. come to know Jesus. Well, what is that about? That's right. just the beginning of the right. journey. It's, a big, it's the birth, like a baby's birth. Literally. Oh, yeah. You yeah, can't just leave the baby on the operating Not table, at all. Sure. Not at all. Or or hope that things will work out for right. you. Right. That's good. You know? Um, good. So So I, I wasn't discipled. I knew, uh, I knew that Jesus knew me. And there was, so there was something different. Right. But it wasn't really until I, I was 16, I had just turned 16, and I went to a camp again, a Christian camp, another camp, and uh, rededicated my life to the Lord and really said, I'm going to live for you. Wow. And it was at that time that it was, um, it was like God knew me yeah. and I knew him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was all right with who I was. Mm-hmm. And it was powerful. Maybe the first time one could say that you, you met Jesus as Savior, but the second time at this other camp, he became yes. Lord. He became my Lord, right. yes. Yeah. Yes. 
And how, so how did this relationship with Christ, um, and this is not a, a, a religious podcast, mm-hmm. so for those who are listening who maybe are not people of faith, um, I'm wanting you to learn about L and learn about him. We're going to get into speaking about his leadership in, in a few minutes, but just wanted to give this background because so much of his leadership is informed, mm-hmm. not by his religion, but by his relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did that, this change, this transformation, then directly impact you as a person? What actually changed about you from that moment onwards? You know, I used to fight all the time. Yeah, I was I was a very angry young man, and um, yeah, I used to fight all the time. Then um, it suddenly changed that you know I can no longer do those things, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't understand that, um, but I just knew I could no longer do that. Mm-hmm. And you know something, um, I had I developed a prayer relationship with God. Love it. And um, it, it, as a teenager, I, I would pray and I would see prayers answered. And, and that was just the relationship that he and I had. Right. <laughs> and it was, it was just really very powerful. And uh, so it changed, it changed even in the midst of, and I was still crazy now. I wasn't, I wasn't Mr. Good. <laughs> I was involved in this gang thing. And I told these guys, I says, I can no longer do these things. Yeah, I'm sure that went down really Yeah, well. oh, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> so, so uh, but they knew I was crazy. And I was, I was a thin guy and a smaller guy. But they knew I was crazy, yeah. so they weren't going to push me too far. Right, right. So, um, so we had some of those <laughs> conversations, and they would just and and I remember one of my close buddies said, "Well, you know, we'll just, you know, it's it's that's cool, Al. You're you're talking about that." They called me Alfred. It's cool, Alfred, but we'll see how this all works out. Mm-hmm. And. Um, and I and God just began to just That's really. Right. So you change. were consistent with it. It's not. It wasn't yeah. something that you did for a few weeks and then. No, no. Too often I, 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 I would. I, you know, I'd, I'd crash and burn from time to time, but then I'd get back up and try to do the right thing mm-hmm. and and crash when, a little bit. <laughs> when when would you say you were first aware? that you had a leadership ability or a leadership gift. Or the, the, oh. And you know, the, the, I think the, true, the simplest and truest definition of a leader is that it's ultimately somebody who has followers. So whether you have, you know, dreadful evil leaders like uh, Hitler mm-hmm. or really great, wonderful hit, mm-hmm. uh, leaders like Churchill, mm-hmm. for example, um, whatever, it's leaders are leaders, and yes. um, you can, they're defined by the fact that they have followers. Yeah. Was there, is there a point looking back, or what is your earliest memory of you having some leadership ability that people were willing to follow you? I was uh, 14, I was in eighth grade, and um, there were some things before that as well. I think I was in sixth grade, but the one memory was. Um, very powerful. I was 14 and I went to apply for a summer job. Um, that was the cool thing all of the older teens were doing and yes. I wanted to be a part of that <laughs> and ask my mother and father, can I do this? And and um, they reluctantly said, yeah, okay, well, you know, and they, they, so they filled out, had to fill out some paperwork. So I went for the job 
And um, I discovered that uh, work, I was, the job was a tutoring job. And um, I was never a great academic, but, but uh, I liked math and science. And so um, I was able to help, uh, started helping some children. Mm, fantastic. Um, and with their reading and math and things like that. But uh, after that, I discovered I had a following of, of, of my peers when he got involved in this. Mm-hmm. And, and so some you convinced said, others of your yeah, French, of your circle, yes. to begin to serve this kid. And I didn't, really, I didn't really understand it, <laughs> but I just said, so here's what part, I'm doing. Right, it was it, a natural, organic thing. Yeah, I said, here's Good. what I'm doing. We're doing this and we're helping these, some kids out. You know how to do this, and you know how to do. Why don't right. you Why don't you apply for the job? And to, you know, and and some of them didn't get the job, but they volunteered. Excellent. And they stayed. And there was a group of us that were helping kids in the community. Mm-hmm. It was It was just very. So how many years ago was that now? <laughs> Without uh, giving long, away your a precious long, age. A long time ago. <laughs> that was uh, let's see, uh, forty years ago. Uh, 50 years why I ask is 4 or 5 decades friends yes he is older than me although you could never tell looking at us but um, why I ask is that it is amazing to me you know this question of are leaders born or made and when I think about in the scriptures in Romans chapter 12 when it speaks about the father gifts and one of them is leadership another one is administration another Mm. one is generosity and you know because my fundamental drive in life is this idea that every single one of us is completely unique that Mm. God made us very particularly and marvelously as it says in Psalm 139 in our mother's womb Mm. in other words we are not our we are not the product of our parents. Yes, yeah. we carry their DNA and all that stuff, but we are firstly the design of God. And hence the name of the podcast and of my ministry, it's intentionally called Live Unique, that we mm. live our uniqueness. So therefore, uh, you know, it's for me it's logical and reasonable to be able to say that true leaders are born. Yes, you can make leaders out of almost everybody, not everybody, mm-hmm. almost everybody, but true leaders are born and mm. it manifests very early on, mm. you know. Mm. Sometimes you see a bunch of six-year-olds playing in the mm. yard mm-hmm. and there's that one kid yes. who's able to rally all the other six-year-olds. Who are, it's like herding cats, <laughs> but somehow they manage to do it. Yes. So in terms of your leadership, being that you've led as a father, as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, as a pastor, mm. as a social activist, Mm. um, as a community leader. So you've led in various different um, situations that you found yourself. But what's great for me about you is that you've always led people Mm. directly, not from a distance. You've always led from among them. Mm -hmm. And the example Jesus gives us is that one, right? So what would you say are the three main lessons that you have learned over 40, 50 years of leadership. Mm. What does a leader need to be and do more than anything else? And mm. we can talk about it, you know. You know, a leader, a leader needs to be a listener. Mm. That's beautiful. Uh, needs to be a listener to, my focus, is needs to be a listener to God first. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and then a listener to to people mm-hmm. and um and a listener is it's the active listening where you're what do you mean I, by I, you're you're engaged you know sometimes um we can move through our day and people say things to us and we nod and say yeah 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 but two minutes later, right. if you ask me what that person right. said, I had no clue what they said. Yeah. But I did say yes. You know, um, <laughs> active listening is being fully engaged. Right. Let me stop what I'm doing and hear what you're saying. And um, sometimes, sometimes, I, and I've had the, the opportunity to, to many times to stop what I'm doing. So I've made that part of my lifestyle right. as as. Uh, as we talk with people, um, as we engage with them, to really stop and listen. Right. Whatever, just stop and listen. Mm-hmm. And it, it uh, sends them a message that they're important. Right. It, 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 it lets them know that uh, somebody cares about And that they have value. And that they have value. Right. Yes. So, so does yes. that come out of your... Because you are a pastor... In, in, in mm. every sense of the word, as, as, as mm. Noel, Thanks our so good much. friend, my dad in law, often says, you're a pastor with a capital P. So mm. there are many, many leaders that have a measure of the pastoral mm. in them, let's mm. say. And then there are leaders that are pastors, like Christ, mm. that are truly shepherds. Mm. Their whole instinct is mm. for the sheep, mm-hmm. even if it costs them their own time, energy, mm. life, mm. money. Mm-hmm. So does that. Uh, desire that instinct, which is absolutely true, by the way, of course, to really listen to people. Does does that come out of your pastoral gift and your pastoral makeup? It comes. It comes out of. It comes out of how God has just designed me. I don't know. Hmm. Um, I know beautiful. I'm a pastor, but that's how He's designed me. So I, that, that, I look that's back part of your even, uniqueness. Then. Yes, I look back to even when I was a little kid. Right. I always had, I always had a little kid as in five, six years, five, five, six, four, five, six years old. Right. Um, had different people that were around me, uh, of that were my friends. Right. And and it was many times they they were the people that it seemed like no one else right. cared about. Yes, I can easily. Imagine. <laughs> so that's good. So these were people that the Lord had placed me that's in the midst wow. of. And I didn't understand that then. It was just a and natural what a privilege instance. it is to look back wow. and to see, you know, I didn't get here overnight. Right. And I've it's not like I've arrived, but it's how God has designed my journey. Right. And but but so, but but your journey Let's say what you do uh, has to flow out of who you are. Right? Yes. So yes. at Live Unique, we our whole push is to answer two questions. Mm. I think there are life's two most important questions, mm. which are, who must I be? Because mm. if God has made me to be a certain way, yes. there's a mustness about, I must be that, yes. right? Yes. Otherwise, yes. what am I on earth for? Yes. It's not even about the fear of failing Him. Mm. It's really more about the tragedy of missing out this incredible, stunning, beautiful, singular, unique thing that God has made you to be. Yes. And then, of course, you, you can't separate your doing from your being. Yes. You know, today when people talk about finding your sweet spot, to me, the definition of a sweet spot is somebody who's doing 
out of their being. Mm-hmm. You know, well, you mm-hmm. know, they use language like "do what you love with mm-hmm. people that you love." Yes. Well, I think the love has to come out of what the God of love put into you in your mother's womb, and yes. and equipped you in the womb with yes. all that you 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 would need for the rest of your life. So yes, That's right. I, I I absolutely am firm. Thank you for confirming this for us. <laughs> um, I didn't know you were going to say this. That's wonderful. No, it yes. is incredibly encouraging because I'm firmly. This is a conviction for me. I firmly mm. believe, I'm convinced of this, um, that you cannot escape who God has made you. And when you look That's back, right. however difficult your upbringing or however easy your upbringing has mm. been, you look back and you, you see the signs. You know, That's It's right. like you've been given a song to sing and you sing it from the moment that you come out of your womb. Yes. So you were starting to lead caringly, pastorally, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. already from... Um, as a child through your teenage years mm-hmm. and then you met your wife yes your intriguing fascinating lovely <laughs> interesting very clever wife yes and together you had your kids and st- what um my question earlier was what were you know three of the main lessons all right, right. so i would say for the second one what's the major leadership le- lesson that you've learned as a father and husband you know uh it's it's just to be real. Hmm. It's to, just to be real. It's it's know. to have have a person be a person of integrity. Okay. Um, so I, I'll do the right action, whether if anybody's looking or not. Okay. I will still do okay. the right thing. That's good. And so. Uh, hmm. so so important in in married life. Now, is that authenticity or integrity or both? Is it? A oh, mix? that's good. That's good. That's that's what I think of being real. It's it's an authenticity. Okay. There's an authenticity that has, I think, integrity linked to it. Right. That's what makes it okay. so powerful. Right. Um, as as my wife and I, we've been married for uh, over forty years now. Wow. And thank you. And um, and we've been blessed with four beautiful children, three of them. Uh, two of them are married. Um, well, three of them are married. <laughs> and one is uh, one is not married yet. And out of those uh, three marriages, we there's 11 grandchildren. Wonderful. And so so, um, and I, you know, I'm discovering that being authentic is it's just it's a learning journey. I mean, so it's, when you say being authentic, because the the context is leading your wife and kids and your yes, grandkids. Now. Yes. So give me an example. What do you mean? Oh my, um, you know, as as husbands and fathers, as leaders, um, people will whisper in our ear uh, outside of our household, say, "Hey, you're doing this great. You're doing that," and and you know. <laughs> When you get home, <laughs> my wife says, hey, can you take out the garbage? <laughs> you know, I mean, well, wait a minute, dear. I just saved the world today. <laughs> I did this. I did that. But, you know, it's it's part of being that authentic. You know, um, I, I'm real. The way I am at home is the way I am. What you see public. is what you get. Right? Yes. Right. And, That's very you true. Know, yes. And look to live consistently. Can you, know? you give us an example in your life and, and be as open and as transparent as you want or not, um, where you faced a difficulty as a family 
the mm. whole family, not just mm. you and Tay. And you had to lead the family through that difficulty. They were looking to you. That's, that's a great question. Um, we, I, I was a machinist by trade, went to school, um, and, and uh, became a machinist. And uh, worked as a machinist for some 10, 11 years. And we were very involved in our church. And um, the Lord called us, I sensed, the call into ministry, the call to serve him. Now, as a machinist, I was I made good money. Mm-hmm. I it was a good living. Um, things were just kind of moving up to another level. Um, but God called me to serve Him, and uh, I remember uh, coming home and sharing with my wife. You know, it was a journey. It was months and months, and we talked and we prayed and and wondered about this, and how is it going to work, and what are you going to do, and things like that. But uh, uh, I remember coming home and, and mentioning to her uh, that I had left my job. <laughs> I gave my two-week notice in, and, and uh, <laughs> she said, what? <laughs> now, we have four kids, as I said, and uh, at that time, Two, one was uh, a teenager. Um, two were just about teen. One was a teenager. The other one was coming into their teens. And then there was two young ones. And so uh, it's like, okay, well, <laughs> what does that mean? Where are you going to work now? What are you going to do? And uh, so we talked and we prayed through that. And so it gave me opportunity to lead in that Um it was hard. It was it was hard in the sense of um, it was just all unknown. But we, I knew that I knew that this is what God wanted us so, to do. Practically, how did you lead? What kind of decisions did you make? So um, the the thought was to uh, to go and prepare for prepare for the ministry. I had some schooling behind me. Uh, and that kind of thing. I had gone to college and all of that, but it was a different type of schooling. It was more more engineering type schooling. Mm-hmm. And so now what God, I believe, was calling me to was to prepare for ministry. Mm-hmm. So um, in, in our thinking, it was to go to school and uh, go, go to a Bible school, a Bible college, right. go to seminary. So that kind of thing. So that's what we did. And you were working at the same time. Oh, yes, you? yes, yes. We, we, yes, yes. So in terms of, I think what I'm getting at is that in terms of the way that you had to choose to spend your time between yes. work and study and family. Yes. Would you do it again? Oh, without a, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I would do it differently. <laughs> it was very tough on my wife yeah. and my family. But, but I would do it again. It's no doubt about it. So did your wife or kids ever say to you, what were you thinking? Are you nuts? No. No, they didn't. Um, they They were wondering about it all and how's it going to work. And then after a while, we would, now we went, we prepared, and it was four four years. Right. We moved away from our home, mm-hmm. which which uh, was our our family. We right. both grew up in in mm-hmm. town here, and so we moved away from them, 
um, to something completely <laughs> different. <laughs> and so we lived on college campuses, and it was four years. Which we is were on two different. Of its own. Yes, we were on two different <laughs> college campuses. But that's what um, I mean: is that when there's when there's a foundation of love and respect. Yes. It's easier, I find, to lead from that kind of a foundation, yes, right? Yes. And your if you can leave your if you can properly lead your wife and your children, yeah. I, I believe you can lead anything else pretty yes. much, right? Yes, because right. that's the most difficult right. in some ways and obviously the most significant and important yes. group of people that, yes. that you have to lead. What would be the third lesson? And in this context, um, let me just say for our listeners that L is um, deeply involved, has been for decades in the inner city life of the city of Schenectady, where there is a tremendous amount of both entrepreneurship, uh, creativity, but also brokenness and poverty. It's a typical, um, not just American, anywhere around the world, a typical mm. in, inner city space. And Al worked at a place called the City Mission, helping uh, folks who had lost everything in their lives, homeless people, broken people. So he's known throughout the city. I could say without any fear of contradiction that Al is literally a father in the city of Schenectady. Um, how have you led in the community? What does it take to lead in a community, especially one as diverse and as complex and as interesting as what mm. Schenectady is? Mm. It's another good question. Um, to lead in, in our community, um, it takes uh, people that, that will be willing to stand at the, the cold face of difficulty, of mm. complexity. Mm-hmm. And um, knowing that uh, I trust God and... Um, knowing that he has designed me in a particular way to do the work that he is, Mm -hmm. he's called me to do in a, in a unique manner. And so, um, I, I stand at the, you know, you know, you hear what I'm saying. I stand at the cold face of that, um, being okay because God is leading and directing me and that he's, he's going to, he's using me, um, in the way that will uniquely um, be the journey that he's placed me on, but that will speak into the lives of people. So give our listeners a couple of examples of what does that look like on a Monday? Well, well, what that looks like, um, it's been a journey that's in the making. I've, I've sensed left my, um, the the church that I was attending um, in, and have answered this call to be more involved in the school district. Let me just interrupt you quickly. So recently, Al left uh, a settled, safe, predictable, yes, um, you know, wonderful church to step out in faith at his age, and he's not a spring chicken. And although you, you look like you flipping twenty five, it makes me so jealous. But truly, and at a stage of his life where theoretically he should be slowing down to prepare for retirement. Al has done completely the opposite. He and his wife and has taken the bull by the horns and has shown enormous courage and has gotten involved in the school system in the local city, um, in the local city school system. And 
And uh, I mean, it's like this adventure that you've, yes, yeah. you've embarked on. Yes. You know, most yes. people would say, are you, are you drunk? Like, what's, <laughs> yeah, right. Are you crazy? What's right. wrong with you? Right, right. Uh, lots, of, uh, lots of challenge. But you know, God has designed us in a certain way. Right. That's and beautiful. you know... Hmm. Um, you, can't, you can't escape your God. No, you can't. No, you can't. Right? No, you can't. You can run away from it, but you can't escape it. it no, you can't. Away yes, you it does. Yes, it does. And it it eventually bleeds it out into all the, all that you're doing. <laughs> so, but but uh, yeah. So we've made this decision to move forward, and uh, what that looks like is a lot of prayer. Um, mm, I good. meet with I meet with community leaders, pastors, and also community leaders, mm-hmm. and we have times of prayer. And we and, and you know, um, uh, the Lord brings us into places, and yeah, He works things out, but He also calls us to work right. to do do the work. Right. And so, um, some of that in that doing the work is a, is creating some kind of strategy how we're going to do it mm-hmm. and really this door has opened in the school district where we have been praying for a number of years maybe 13 14 years and um, we've the Lord has given us favor with the superintendent and and with others and built relationships wonderful. and and so I saw this as uh, as something that I just needed to step into because this was a natural step for right. for me. Right. Everything uh, else had built towards. Oh this yes, point. yes. It had built to toward this point. So naturally, you step into that right. place where God is leading. Um, Al, our time is nearly up. I want to ask you a couple of questions. The first one is. If you had to do your life over again, and again, particularly in terms of leadership, hmm. what is the single biggest mistake you've made as a leader? Or is there one thing about your leadership uh, that you feel needs improvement or that you would have done differently if you had your life again? I would. That's that's good. I had to think about that. Um It's really, uh, <laughs> you know, when you've been called to do something, to step to it right away. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if I, uh, if anything, to, to change or do differently, I would step to it right away. Right. I was 14 when um, the Lord called me to pastor. Right. And mm-hmm. I said, oh, no, not me. Right. Yeah, kind of thing. But that was, I believe that was so the beginning of the journey. Don't hesitate. Don't, don't hesitate. Time. When God no. opens the door. Just when he opens the door, you take it. Take it. What would you say then, my second, my final question is, what, what would you say is the best thing you've done as a leader? What's been the strongest part of your leadership? My, there... I, don't I mean, know I know there are like a hundred things. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. But, uh, yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a family guy. Hmm, and, um, that's beautiful. And, and my concern is that my, my wife be do all that she can do, right. that the way God has designed mm-hmm. her, and that our children... Um, do all that they can do as God has designed them, and mm-hmm. and in there, and that means in their in their with their uh, spouses and with their children, 
you know, so I would say um, the big thing has been my family. Beautiful. Been my and family. it shows. They okay. adore you. They love you. Is there a word of advice that you would give to uh, leaders? We have uh, friends, leaders through the global family on every continent and mm. earth from so many different cultures, mm. different walks of life. Mm. Some are artists, some are professors, some are pastors, some are school teachers. If there could be one bit of wisdom, mm. uh, leader to leader, that you would leave with them, what would that be? I would say... Um, We've all been uniquely designed, fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm -hmm. And um, I would say you listen very closely to what God says. Mm -hmm. And then you move on that. Mm -hmm. um, that would take into account whether you're married or single or uh, in college or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but for the first priority is to listen to God because he's the center of it all. Right. That's beautiful. Otherwise, the other things, they, they, they might help you along, but they're, they're not going to uh, give the same benefit and, right. and grace and mm -hmm. all of that than if you begin with God. Mm -hmm. and Alfred, thank you. It's been nothing but a pleasure. What an absolute well, privilege thank you. to have you with us. Thank and you so much. You've for said this. so many profound and important things. Well, thank you. And we value you. Thank you. I value you too. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening. I loved having you with us. And if you would like to know more, check us out at liveunique.biz. You can also find me on Instagram as liveunique. And you can find me as well on Twitter at L-I-V-U-N-Q. Thanks very much. Until next time.